think most people know that Christians are supposed to try to be like Jesus Christ. We ought to try to live like Jesus. We ought to try and live and speak like Jesus lived and spoke. But when we live and we speak like Jesus, we have to expect to be treated like Jesus. And when we're treated like Jesus was treated, we ought to be prepared to respond the way that Jesus responded. So how, did, how was Jesus treated? Well, Jesus was opposed by the Jewish leaders and by the teachers. He was uh, abandoned by many of his followers because of the hard things that he had to say. He was at one point uh, betrayed by one of the 12 men who were closest to him. He was mocked. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was crucified. That's how Jesus Christ was treated. When the, when the most loving, righteous person in the world came to his own people, they rejected him. And how did he respond? He blessed those who persecuted him. He prayed for their forgiveness. He healed their diseases. Even now, Jesus Christ is ready to forgive all of those who have spoken against him and acted against him and rejected him as their creator and as their savior. That's how Jesus Christ responded. And so what I hope you'll see today is that we ought to live like Jesus. But when we live like Jesus, when we live and we speak like Jesus, we ought to expect to be treated like Jesus. And when we are treated like Jesus, we ought to respond like Jesus responded. We ought to respond with forgiveness and love toward those who do us wrong. Today we're going to start again in Acts 6. We're going to start again in Acts 6. Uh, last week we primarily looked at the things that Stephen, uh, who was a, a, a prophet, a, a speaker, a, 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 an evangelist for the gospel, for the good news about Jesus Christ. We saw what he said in Acts 7. Today we're primarily going to look at Stephen's character and his example and what he shows for us, how he shows us how to live. So we're going to be in Acts 6. And what we see first is one who is falsely accused like Jesus. One falsely accused like Jesus. Pick up in Acts 6, starting with verse 8. We'll read through verse 15. Falsely accused like Jesus. Acts 6, 8 through 15. says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel." 
We've already seen Stephen introduced as one of the seven men who is chosen by the church to help lead the, 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 the church in taking care of the widows in the church. Uh, that he was someone who was, had a good reputation among all the people. That he was somebody who was filled with wisdom. He was somebody who was filled with the Spirit. He was a godly man. And so he was just the kind of man that they would want as a leader. He was a good example for the people. But starting in verse 8, you start to see he's, he's, more than, he's more than that ministry of caring for the widows. He is also someone who is doing signs and wonders. God is with him. God's grace is upon him. That is, God is favorable toward him. And God's power is upon him so that he is doing these signs and wonders. He's healing people and he's casting out demons. And there are some from this place that's called the Synagogue of the Freedmen. Now, probably this is, um, these are what are called Hellenistic Jews. That is, they're Greek-speaking Jews. They're, they're influenced by, uh, by Greek culture, just like Stephen was. Jeek was uh, Stephen was a, a Greek-speaking Jew or a, 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 a Jew of, who, who had grown up among the Greeks. And so he's now moved back to Jerusalem, but he gets into a dispute. And do you see what happens? You see what happens? It says, they arose and disputed with Stephen... And they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. This is the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ had said would happen. Now flip over in your Bibles to Luke 21. To Luke 21. Luke 21. Let's read verses 5 through 19. Because I want you to see what Jesus says is going to happen. And how Jesus keeps his promise to Stephen and through Stephen. So picking up in verse 5, Luke 21, starting with verse 5. And try as best as you can, I'll refer to this several times, try as best you can to, to keep some of these things in mind. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that would not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will arise, will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness Sell it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will, be, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Do you see how what Jesus said is... A promise that is being kept for Stephen. When Stephen is disputing with these other Hellenistic Jews. You could even say these are probably his fathers and his mothers and his brothers. and his, These are his kindred. They couldn't say anything to withstand what Stephen had to say. Was it because Stephen had prepared well beforehand? It was because 
God, it was because Jesus gave him the words to speak. This doesn't mean that we're not supposed to, to read or think about or study uh, God's word. You read through Acts 7, which we looked at last week, at Stephen's speech, and it's clear that he had thought very carefully about the Old Testament. What Jesus means is that when you are put into a position where you haven't had a chance to prepare, you don't know what you're supposed to say, Jesus Christ is going to be right there with you, enabling you, strengthening you to bear witness for him. You know, a lot of us are scared to speak about Jesus. We're afraid because we think that we don't know what to say. Part of that is that we should seek to understand God's word better. We should try to understand it and try to internalize it and try and memorize it and try to know it. But what God does in those moments and what we can have confidence in is that Jesus is going to provide us with what we need to say. We think that we're afraid that when the pressure is on, we're, we're not good at speaking about Jesus and we're not, we're not good about speaking, with, about speaking in front of other people. But what we trust is that in that moment when it's time to bear witness, Jesus Christ will give us what to say. Jesus, by his spirit, will give us what to, what to say. It's not going to be something new necessarily or spontaneous. It will be consistent with the spirit-inspired scriptures. But the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us. And he will give us what we need to say. Now then, you see that uh, when they're not able to dispute with Stephen, that doesn't mean that they give up. Uh, the, the same as they could not answer Jesus. Uh, you look at places like uh, Matthew 21, 22, 23. They keep coming with these questions against Jesus. And they can't say anything. Even when, even when Stephen gets done with his speech at the very end and they're ready to kill Stephen... They don't, they don't refute anything they have to say. They just get angry about it. You can see the same thing happening with Stephen. They just get angry. And so they find, they find some, some men who will falsely accuse Stephen of doing wrong. This is just like with Jesus. You know the reason why they were able to find something against Jesus in that Jewish council because they brought forward false witnesses. One of the things that we see over and over again in the New Testament in the first century is that Christians were slandered. Stephen was slandered. Paul was slandered. It's not hard to tell lies about somebody. One of the things that we hear, we, we know from history, is that in the second century, Christians were accused of being um, of incest and cannibalism. They weren't doing that, obviously, but that's what they were accused of because they could start rumors and they could, they could falsely accuse them. You know, if Jesus was falsely accused, we ought to expect that perhaps we as Christians will be falsely accused, that we'll be slandered, that people will tell lies about us. That's what they did about Stephen. And so they bring him in. And one of the, the false accusations is that he is constantly speaking against Moses. He's constantly, constantly speaking against the temple. What Stephen is probably doing is talking about Jesus, speaking about Jesus. He says that Jesus probably said something along the lines of Jesus being the fulfillment of all that Moses spoke. In fact, Jesus said that if you know Moses, then you'll know me. If you know what Moses taught, if you know what Moses wrote then you'll see that I am the one who is spoken about. 
Jesus spoke about the temple. In fact, we just read Luke 21. He says, these temple stones, one day there won't be one stone left on top of another. He's predicting the destruction of the temple. Jesus Christ is the ultimate prophet, and he speaks about the destruction of the temple that comes later on in A.D. 70. Jesus spoke about it. He also spoke in John 2 about the tearing down of the temple that will be rebuilt in three days. He says he was speaking about his own body because the temple, the sacrifices, the priests, they all point to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the temple. He is the way that we meet God. He is the way that we have access to God. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And by being raised from the dead, he showed himself to be the one through whom we have access to God. He is the temple of God. Well, Stephen was probably talking about these things, and what they did is they took the things that Stephen was saying, and they twisted them, and they turned them, and they used them against Stephen in order to falsely accuse him. And so he's before these false witnesses. He's been teaching about Jesus. He has been speaking about Jesus. Look at that last verse, though, in verse 15. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That probably means that it was apparent that he was innocent. He wasn't wasn't angry. He wasn't combative. He wasn't uh, obstinate. He was simply speaking about Jesus. Speaking about what Jesus taught. That's one of the things for us to recognize is that we don't have to be combative. We, don't, we, 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 shouldn't be, we shouldn't be harsh. We don't have to go looking for fights. If we speak about Jesus, and if we teach the things that Jesus taught, then there will be opposition. It'll come. But we shouldn't be bringing it about because of our own wrongdoing. In fact, what, what it says here about about Stephen is a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. You know, the things about Jesus is that he was completely innocent. He was sinless. He did no wrong. Now, when we talk about Stephen being like Jesus, we don't mean that he was sinless as Jesus was sinless. We don't mean that he had never done anything wrong, but certainly there was nothing that he had done wrong that brought him before this tribunal to be judged and ultimately to be sentenced to death. He hadn't done anything wrong like that. And so... And so, just like Jesus, he is innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong, anything. You know, we ought to be the same way. We ought to be those who have not done anything wrong. Flip over in your Bibles to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. You can flip there or you can listen carefully. Listen to 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 16. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Look there, verse 12, 1 Peter 4, 12. He says, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. 
You remember what Jesus had said in Luke 21? He says, you will be hated by all because of me. Jesus says in Luke 6, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so they spoke about the false prophets. Don't be surprised when you're hated, when you are spoken against, when you are slandered, when people say things that are wrong about you, when they, when they make up lies about you. We ought to be innocent the way that Jesus Christ is innocent. We can't be perfectly sinless, but we ought to be following him in his steps. The one who is righteous should live righteously as Jesus Christ is righteous. We ought to be following in Jesus Christ's steps. He didn't return insult for insult. He didn't return threatening for threatening. When they accused him, they accused an innocent man. When they accuse us, when they say wrong things about us, when they speak against us, they ought to be doing that only because they can speak lies. Now look at also what Peter says. If anybody suffers, let them suffer for doing what is good. If you're insulted... You're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That is, you have the spirit of God when you're spoken against, when you're insulted for Christ's sake. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. When we suffer, we ought to suffer for Christ's sake. Yo, wrongdoers can suffer because of their wrongdoing and fools can suffer because of their folly. So if you suffer for doing wrong or you suffer for being a fool, then don't say I'm suffering as a Christian. Occasionally, I see that. Instead, when you suffer, suffer for being a Christian, for living and speaking like Jesus Christ. When you do, there's no shame in that. You don't have to be ashamed, but glorify God in that name, in the name of Jesus Christ. We who suffer ought to be suffering because we're living righteously, because we're living innocently, because we're speaking like Jesus and speaking of Jesus, not because we're doing wrong. And when we live righteously as Jesus is righteous, we shouldn't be fooled into thinking that we're always going to be treated well. We ought to expect, we ought not be surprised. When we live like Jesus, we might be treated like Jesus as well. We've seen Stephen falsely accused like Jesus, one falsely accused like Jesus. You can go back to Acts 6. In fact, look at Acts 7, starting with verse 51. Acts 7, starting with verse 51. And what we see next is one forgiving others like Jesus. One forgiving others like Jesus. One forgiving others like Jesus. Pick up in verse 51. Look at what Stephen says. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the laws delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. 
But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Well, look at what Stephen says in verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important to recognize we're just picking up here in the middle of, the, of his speech. This is not where Stephen started. Stephen started with a whole persuasive speech all through chapter 7 where he made the case that Israel had long rejected those that God had sent to save them. That Israel had rejected the prophets. Israel had rejected God and turned to idolatry. And he showed them from the Old Testament, he showed them from the scriptures that they had rejected God. Only then, after he had attempted to persuade them and after he had shown them, given them reasons, does he talk to them about you stiff-necked people, you uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. One of the things we should recognize, though, is that that though Stephen is a man of, of great faith, of great goodness, of innocence, and of great love, he's also speaking the truth. You know, one of the things that Moses says about himself in Numbers 12, he says that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. As he was the most meek man, the most gentle man, the most mild-mannered, ready to be patient, ready to be kind, ready to be gentle toward other people. He was the most gentle man on the face of the earth until Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the gentlest of men, the kindness. said that he would not snuff out the smoldering wick or crush the bruised reed. That is, he was, he was very careful with those who had already suffered harm. He was, he was not trying to crush people, but, but sort of bring their, their, their candle back into light. I mean, he was... He was Nurturing people and loving people and being kind to people. Stephen, it's a very meek and gentle man. He says he looked like, a, like an angel. And yet, though Moses was the meekest man who ever lived, he could say in Exodus 32, you have sinned a great sin. Jesus, the meekest man, could say to his opposition, you brood of vipers, who will keep you from the judgment of hell? Stephen is a meek, innocent man. He also says, you stiff-necked people. You know, you can be meek and kind and patient and gentle and also say, you sinned a great sin. You can tell people, that they're stiff-necked. You can tell people that they need to repent. You can tell people that if they don't repent, that they're headed toward hell. You can do all those things and be loving and kind and meek and gentle. 
That doesn't mean people will receive it that way. Doesn't mean people will think of you that way. But when we're looking at the standard of what God says is meekness and gentleness and what is kindness and patience and what is love and what is truthfulness and what is honesty. When we look at Jesus, we see somebody who loves, is kind, meek, gentle, and he speaks the truth and tells people to repent. Some of us can't keep those things together. You know, it's important for us to build relationships and lay the groundwork. But at some point, I have to tell people the truth. Tell people they need to repent. We might lose friends over that. We might not be thought of as, as meek or gentle or kind or loving. But we have to speak the truth to one another. We have to speak the truth to other people. We can do that and be meek and gentle and kind and loving. Same way that, same way that Stephen is here. It says, he says to them, as your fathers did, so do you. They, their fathers killed the prophets. What did this generation do? They, they betrayed and murdered the righteous one. They betrayed and murdered Jesus Christ. Flip over in your Bible to Matthew 10. Matthew 10. Look at Matthew 10, verses 24 through 28. Matthew 10, 24 through 28. Look at what what Jesus says. Matthew 10, 24 through 28. It says, A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant about his, above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If, you have called, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So, have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark Say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher. A student is not greater than his teacher. And so, how did they treat the teacher? How did they treat the righteous one. How did they treat the master? They betrayed him. And they murdered him. They slandered him. They, they, called, they called Jesus Beelzebul. That is a kind of false god. A, a, a euphemism for Satan. They called Jesus Demonic. Do you, think, do you think they're going to say nice things? I think there's this misapprehension among Christians that, that if we are just loving and kind enough, if we're just patient enough, and you know what? We ought to be, love is kind and patient. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. 
We ought to be loving. We ought to be loving and kind and patient. And oftentimes through our love and our kindness and our patience, people will be brought to Christ. God will use that to bring people to Jesus Christ. But we ought not misunderstand that as saying, hey, if we're just loving and kind enough, then people will respond rightly. People will like us. People will follow Jesus. The reason, and, and what often happens is we say if people aren't following Jesus, maybe we're not being kind and loving enough. Maybe we need to be, be more patient. If we're loving and kind enough, then nobody will hate us. Nobody will have anything wrong to say about us. You know, the reality is, is that at many times in church history, when the church has been most like Jesus Christ, that has been when the church has been most hated. See, a lot of people say, I like Jesus, I just don't like the church. I don't think they know Jesus. I don't think they've read what Jesus had to say. Jesus, in the eyes of the world, behaved badly often. He said things that people didn't like. He spoke the truth and was hated for it. Look at what Jesus says. They call me Beelzebul. What do you think they're going to say about you? But then he says in verse 26, and I, and I don't know what he means by this. He says, so have no fear of them. I don't know if you maybe make that connection. But he's saying something like, they'll malign you, they'll hate you, therefore, don't be afraid of them. That's, that's kind of a non sequitur. That's kind of a, that doesn't really follow, that really doesn't really make sense. But he says, don't fear them. Don't fear them. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Rather, fear him who can kill the body and the soul in hell. Stephen was, was afraid of them, and we ought not be afraid of them either. We ought to not be afraid of those who malign us or insult us or even uh, threaten us with imprisonment or murder. We ought not be afraid. We ought to fear God. And flip back over to Acts 7. Look at what happens. He says, you betrayed and murdered Jesus. Look at verse 54. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Later it says, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. The same way that Stephen's face demonstrated his innocence. Their actions, their countenance, their faces demonstrated that they were under the, the power of Satan. You know, one of the things that Jesus, uh, or, or that John says in 1 John, is he says, not to be like Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because Abel was righteous. They murdered the righteous one. And if we live righteously, we expect to get the same reaction it's not, because, it's not because we're stirring up trouble. It's not because we're trying to be, it's not because we're combative. It's not because we're angry. It's not because we're, it's not because we're doing bad to people. We're doing good. But if we live righteously, people's reaction will be, often be, anger. 
rage. They are like Cain who murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his brother was righteous. Jesus Christ was righteous. And we ought to live righteously as he was righteous. They come at him. But you look in verse 55. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, who was faithful, saw Jesus. Gazed into heaven, sees Jesus. He sees Jesus exalted as the Son of Man. Way back in Daniel 7, there is this mysterious figure, at least, you know, when, when Daniel first says it, talks about one who is like the Son of Man, who comes to the Ancient of Days, that is, comes to God. And this one who has much of this symbolism of being God himself, he comes to God and he receives the kingdom. He receives dominion. He receives authority and power over all things. Do you know why Stephen is not afraid of these, these, this Jewish council, these Jewish leaders? He looks into heaven and he sees the one who is really in authority. Jesus Christ is the Son of Man. That is, Jesus Christ has power and authority. He sees that Jesus Christ is the one who has been exalted. Jesus Christ was crucified and was buried, but he rose again. He's been exalted to the right hand of God, and he is in authority. He's not afraid of anybody. Stephen is not afraid of anybody because he sees Jesus where Jesus is. The only place. Jesus has the name above all names. He is ruling at the right hand of God. They stop up their ears. They don't want to hear that. Look at what else Stephen says. They cast him out of the city. They're ready to stone him. Look at verse 59. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Theologically speaking, do you know what death is? It's the separation of the spirit and the body. God made us body and spirit. And when we die, our spirits are separated from our body. And what what Stephen says is he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus, I want want my spirit to be where where you are. And in saying this, he echoes what Jesus said when he was on the cross. Jesus, quoting Psalm 31, he says... Into your hands I commit my spirit. But even though Stephen is mimicking and imitating Jesus here, he says things a little bit differently. You notice he doesn't say Father or God. It would be appropriate if he did. Jesus taught us to speak of God as Father, speak to God as Father. But he says, Lord Jesus. Why why does he say that? Because Jesus Christ is the one who laid down his life for Stephen. Jesus Christ is the one who gives assurance to Stephen that his sins are not held against him. He finds forgiveness for all of his sins, for all of his wrongdoing in Jesus Christ. He has access to God in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who came from God, who showed us God. He is the one who brings us back to God. And so Stephen looks at God. He looks at the Lord Jesus and he says, receive my spirit. Jesus Christ, you, you are the, the one who is the keeper of my spirit, the one who is the keeper of my life, the one who is able to hold me and keep me. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
you know, we ought to trust Jesus Christ with our lives. We can also trust Jesus Christ at our deaths. When we die, our spirits go to be with Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death. Jesus Christ is the conqueror of death. When you die, trust Jesus with your spirit. It goes on from there. He says, falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Very similar to what Jesus Christ said from the cross. Jesus Christ recorded in Luke, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen is saying, God, don't hold this sin against them. You know, there, there are, there are obviously, and we, we see this sometimes, there are people who give their lives because of their religion. How many people give their lives for their religion while also praying for the forgiveness of their enemies? Only Jesus and those who follow Jesus do that. That is our attitude. When Jesus says in Matthew 5, pray for those who persecute you, what, what are we praying for? We're praying that God, through Jesus Christ, would forgive them of their sins. That they would for, find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Stephen is looking. He's looking at Jesus. He's also, I suppose, seeing this, these men who have their, their teeth grinding and are stopping their ears and are taking off their coats so they can warm up their pitching arm. So that they can go and stone Stephen to death. And he says, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. When we're treated like Jesus Christ, we, we need to be prepared by the power of his spirit to respond like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not return threat for threat or insult for insult. We're supposed to be following in his steps. It's the way Peter says it. Following Jesus Christ, being like Jesus Christ, living and speaking like Jesus, being treated like Jesus, and then responding like Jesus. You look there at verse 60. It says that when Stephen had said this, he fell asleep. Matthew 9, when Jesus goes to heal this girl uh, who is dead, he tells the people around him, don't worry, she's only sleeping. Uh, in John 11, uh, Jesus says about Lazarus, he says, uh, he's, he's asleep. He's, our, our friend Lazarus, he's fallen asleep, knowing all the time that he was dead. Why, why, this, why talk about people who are dying going to sleep? What happens to people who are asleep? They wake up. You know, death for those who are without Jesus is permanent. Death is permanent. But for those who die in Jesus Christ, it's temporary. You know, you know, it's one of the things that Jesus said in Luke 21. He said, not a hair of your head will perish. How does he keep that for Stephen? Stephen's being stoned to death. Well, Everything about Stephen at the return of Jesus Christ is going to be raised up to be with Jesus Christ. 
down to the last hair. You can trust Jesus Christ at your death. You know, later on it says that there, there was great lamentation over Stephen. Death is still tragic. Death is not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, sometimes people talk about funerals, um, uh, and they will, they, it's, been, it's been more characteristic for people to talk about them as a celebration of life. I understand what people mean by that. They mean we want to remember what this person was like when they were alive. But death is tragic. And by the way, I'd be happy for y'all to cry when I die. I mean, I'd like that. They, 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 they mourned over Stephen. He was such a good man. They mourned him. They cried o- over his death. And yet it is blessedly brief. Our spirits go to be with the Lord. And one day... We're going to wake up. Don't, don't be afraid of losing your life. If you're trusting Jesus, don't be afraid of losing your life. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of those who would hate you because of Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jesus, receive my spirit and go sleep when it's time. We can trust Jesus to give us the strength to speak. We can do good in the face of wrongdoing. When people are treating us wrongly, we can do good. We can suffer for doing good. We can respond with love and kindness and patience. We can speak the truth. We can do all these things by the power of Jesus Christ. We ought to live like Jesus Christ. And when we live and speak like Jesus Christ, we should expect to be treated like Jesus Christ. And when we are treated like Jesus Christ, we ought to respond like Jesus Christ. The reason why we can do all of this is because we trust Jesus Christ with our spirits. We trust Jesus Christ in life and in death. This is where we draw our strength, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, that we would have life with him. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you for those men who were full of your spirit, who were not drunk with wine, but were controlled by your spirit, full of every virtue, full of the fruit of the spirit full of love and kindness and patience and gentleness, self-control. Grant that we would be remade, that we would be remade to be like Jesus Christ, that we would be remade to be like our Creator, that we would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, that we would be full of every virtue, full of every grace, grant that we would be brave and courageous not fearful or frightened by anything that is frightening we will continually look to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and not be afraid Lord Jesus please receive our spirit please 
bring us into the presence of God. Please keep us for the day of our death, for the day of judgment. Keep us from all that is evil. Keep us for eternal life. In the name of Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.